Five o'clock hours here. Adam Hill, Ari, Cofield and Company, Steve Cofield. Busy hour on the way. A lot more Raider stuff. More college basketball, too, with some big hirings in the Big East and some updates on the Pac-12. We've been waiting a while here to see what the TV deal is going to be and if the conference is going to be fractured. They're going to be adding schools, so that's all coming up. I'm glad John Von Tobel took us out of last hour talking about Gonzaga. I want to get to that in five minutes. But some of the big news today locally is the transfer portal and UNLV and the running Rebels. And we knew that a lot of the older guys were moving on, no eligibility left. Then it comes down to who wants to be around and who does the coaching staff want to be around to try to build next year's team. And that's kind of reality for a lot of programs around college basketball. So yesterday, officially official, Keyshawn Hall, the big freshman, 6'8", 240. <clears throat> big guard. If anyone was really paying attention yesterday when we sent out the message on uh, ESPN Las Vegas on the Twitter, Twitter account, Adam. Well, I did. I put power forward Keyshawn Hall is leaving because that's what he is. And I think part of the reason why the staff and Keyshawn Hall were possibly not meshing, and I don't have any inside scoop on this, was that Keyshawn does want to play face in the basket a lot. And while that's a nice part to augment his game, he needs to be a down-low player. Um, and I – are you surprised by this one? That Keyshawn, Keyshawn Hall's leaving? I mean, he showed some promising moments during the year, and they gave him more playing time as the season went along. I mean, the, not to, you know, be kind of overarching of the entire college basketball world, but is any is any transfer ever surprising? In the end, no. But there's certain guys – well, I guess – when people transfer, you do want to kind of look into why they transferred. It's not willy-nilly. So, I'm not overall, I'm not surprised when someone leaves, but I'd like to know what precipitated sure. the move. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like my I, guess with Keyshawn Hall is that – and, again, I don't know if this is his decision. I, I, I thought his body language at times wasn't great, and he also sent out a lot of – like during the year, he sent out a lot of uh, kind of cryptic tweets where it looked often like he wasn't happy – talking about big things are, you know, are coming. From the coaching staff standpoint, the way I looked at it is if Kevin Kruger wants to play four out, one in, the one in defensively, it's really tough to make Keyshawn Hall the one in defensively. Yeah. Because I think when you draw him away from the basket, he is athletic, but I don't know that he's going to get to a point where he can, he can truly, you know, guard big bigs on the block, but more importantly when he gets dragged out to the perimeter – they have to change their whole defense. They can't. They can't use the switching defense. He's kind of like the old, you know, center that you would try to hide in like a two-three. Just be like, all right, just, just stay in the middle. I think he could be a fantastic scorer. Yeah. He just has to find the right school, and I'm not going to say somewhere where defense isn't a premium. It's his style of defense, and there's. I'm sure there's people out there who are like, hey, listen, they need some young building blocks. Keep the guy around. Change your defense. But that's not easy for a coach to do. No, and I also don't. I don't know that. As much as I think he's a very talented player and a very good offensive player, I don't know that he's the kind of program-changing player that you change your defense for. I bet you if he goes down a level, he'll be he could be a a twelve to eighteen point per game scorer the next three years. I don't. I think he could potentially be that here if he stayed here. 
I don't think that's out of the question. He's a very talented offensive he's player. Super, he's he's really ridiculous. Yeah, he's like good. just getting guys, you know, spinning when he's spinning, just on skates. Yeah, it's but it's tough when you are a complete liability on the other end, especially yeah. to try to develop and be on the floor enough to develop those offensive skills. It's tough. Are you suggesting the staff needs to have more patience with him or needed to? No, not necessarily. I'm saying you can't you, you can't keep him on the floor for long periods of time when you can't defend. Yeah. Like at all. All right. Well, Keyshawn Gilbert, who's got local ties, he's been here for two years. He went in the portal. He did. Again, I'm not going to ask you, are you surprised? Because you already said you're not surprised by no. anyone. What do you think the reason is? Well, I also think, it, I mean, if you watch the games at the end of the year, there was times where, you, you know, you looked around. I, I will say that I was watching – you know, I was sitting right on the floor with with some colleagues of mine during the tournament, and we just were staring at the bench saying, Keyshawn's hurt again, or what? what's going on? He needed to be on the floor. He wasn't. I don't think it was a playing issue. It was something within – there had to be some kind of personality conflict or some sort of something was going on if he wasn't hurt because he needed to be on the floor. They probably would have won the game. So it was pretty clear that something was going on that there was probably going to be a, a, a breakup of some sort in some way or another at the end of the year. I think it's it's a trust issue. Sure. Keyshawn's behavior was more than erratic at times down the stretch. And, again, this is something that can be debated. There are times I think Kruger has very little patience. You, yeah. saw, in, you saw in the two games before the Boise game, Jordan McKay made a couple of mistakes. That's like a you know a veteran player, and I think Kruger was just like, not today. Yeah. Now that maybe that's something that needs to change. You you seem to suggest that um, that Gilbert is very coachable in terms of turning him around. Well, he he showed tremendous improvement. I mean, I, I don't think it's an opinion that he got much better. So it's hard to throw out the first 12 games and not see really good signs there and go, well, lost cause. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he went from, again, last year in his in, in, when he was first here, you would watch him play and say, okay. And my the thing I always said about him, and I think it wasn't just me, it was a common thing, that when he is on the floor, something's happening. Right. It's either going to be really, really good or really, really bad, but something's happening. And he showed very impressive high-end ability. And then you would say, what is he doing? And as you said, the first you know non-conference play in particular, he came out and really, really showed a much better ability to run an offense. Uh, was a playmaker. Got to the rim. I I remember thinking toward the end of non-conference play, I I rarely have seen a point guard or you know a guard that is able in this in this conference, especially with UNLV, the last you know ten years, say that can get to the rim, finish through contact, score. He's awesome. Go to the line in an and one. Yep. He would control the body, could, was strong enough to, to go in amongst the big and do that. It was incredible. And then you started to see a little bit of regression to getting a little bit you know, out of control, not being the, the guy that would do some of those same things he did earlier in the year. So he looked a lot more like the player that was there last year. So you know, that, was, that was a change. Uh, but certainly the progress that he made can't be completely discounted. He, he clearly bought in at some point and changed how he played. It's going to be interesting to see the, the list of schools. Because I think he's going to have some pretty big schools going after. <laughs> no question. I mean, if you watch if you watch his game film from the first half of the year, probably every school is going to be asking. 
He's going to do okay with NIL. I would think so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because if teams weren't amped up to ramp up their budgets for NIL before last season, there's a lot more this year that have seen what's happened and are like, we either have this or we're going to be screwed. So could be some surprising teams that come to the table too. So I haven't seen any kind of list yet. But, yeah, both of the Keyshawns in the transfer portal. And my guess is that UNLV will probably have uh, minimum eight new players on the roster next year. Sounds about right. Do you like this three years in a row? Uh, no, I think you would ideally that's not how it would be. But you looked at the roster last year. It was tough to say that it wouldn't wasn't going to be like this. Like that that's what you know, when you right. the problem that people have the the reason that it's a problem to build a roster like this is because it's going to have to happen every year. Right. The well the conundrum is if you recruit to get old in the transfer portal, what chance does it give kids to to play? Right? Yeah. And I think they I think the perfect mix this year was Shane Noel because he played when they thought he was ready, and he showed a lot of good signs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he plays defense, and he can defend basically one through four, which yeah, is I a thought, big deal for I that. thought he was a, a very, very reliable player and a guy that, show, that showed that he can probably improve a lot from where he was, which is already pretty good. So, Von Tobel led us into this hour talking about Gonzaga, and he's tired of the narrative that, you know, Gonzaga's – Schedule is soft, and you know this is why they fail every year in the tournament, which is such a misnomer. Think about eight straight Sweet 16s. What are we quibbling with here? How is a program not legit? Well, there's one reason. How many of those have turned into titles? Right. But as we've gone over you know, many times, titles are not easy to win. Some of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball, it took them a long time to get their first title, and maybe they didn't get a second. They are, I, this is broken record time. At the level they recruit at, which is a top 10 school in the country, with their resources, they're going to break through one of these years. And this could be the year. Yeah. I, 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 look, I, I think we talked about it in the air, but I wrote the story when – Gonzaga was here last time and I actually asked Drew Timmy uh, about, hey, the one thing you haven't done in your college career, not only is it not win a title, but ne you've never not been a one seed in the tournament. And he he expressed outright joy. That's great. Like flying under little, the radar. A little less pressure. Yeah, flying under the radar. It's, it's a better opportunity here. And by the way, the one seed is gone from their region. So, you know. And UCLA is slowly falling apart. It looks yeah. like David Singleton, who. Man, when I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, that's a broken ankle. He, or might never, he might never walk again. Like, it looked really bad with 20 freaking seconds left in the game. I'm like, how much bad luck can this team run into? But it looks like he's going to be okay. Maybe not 100%, yeah. but he can play. Okay is a relative term. Yeah. I'd like, like to take a shot at your ankle and say, hey, you're okay. You're fine. Walk around. <laughs> well, you're good. I'm an old fat guy. I'm not a, an athlete, <laughs> 22 or 23 years old, whatever he is, 22. Uh, big deal with the Pac-12 this week at least according to John Canzano, and I thought it was interesting last week. Um, I've said the entire time, there's a guy who writes for CBS Sports who I think is basically, I don't want to crush him on his journalistic chops, but I do think he's kind of being used by Big 12 powers as sort of a mouthpiece for the Big 12, Dennis Dodd. Because he's been very much about um, 
you know, sending out the message from certain people in the Big 12 and also talking about Doomsday for the Pac-12. And he wrote something about the four corner schools, right? So you're looking at the Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado that, you know, it was getting closer and closer. Big 12 really had a lot of interest in him. And the Arizona president actually retweeted one of his comments and basically was like, this is bunk. And we, as a conference, we're going to get a deal close to what the Big 12 has. We are staying together. Um, I also saw, I guess the, one of the powers that be at Utah said, yeah, the Big 12, no. Not an academic match for us. Which I started beating that drum back you know, six months ago when I was like, wait, a lot of the Pac-12 schools want to be in a conference with Baylor? And nothing against Kansas it's State, fine, but it's a fine Kansas State? Those are fine institutions. Seriously? I don't know. Is Central Florida good? I, I, I won't even take a shot at it. Maybe it's an elite academic institution, but never looked at the Big 12 as some elite territory. Kansas is a good school. But, it's the Ivy League of the Midwest. But more important, the, the Big 12 is very – I'm sorry, the Pac-12 is very arrogant about, about its and their academics, so that always created some pause in this whole thing. But John Canzano, who uh, works up in Portland – very tied into the stuff, uh, was on a, a radio show the other day. Tomorrow, there's a big meeting with Pac-12 school officials. Canzano said, I think this meeting that's coming up on Tuesday is really important. I think there's some motivation now from presidents and chancellors to wrap this. Yeah, th- yes, huh. get it done, please, enough, right? They've been a punching bag for freaking four months. He said uh, he thinks what's going to happen is the Pac-12 is going to end up with ESPN for its Tier 1 rights, and then you're going to see Apple and Amazon come in with a streaming service for the uh, Tier 2 rights, the Pac-12 network games. It will be a blend of all of those. And, unfortunately, that San Diego State and SMU would be leaders in the clubhouse to be invited. And you saw... I think it was Canzano a couple weeks ago who threw out there that uh, that Pac-12 officials didn't feel like UNLV was an academic match. Does that hurt you as a UNLVer? Uh, no, but it's on now. It's now it's on the fine folks at MGM and at Allegiant Stadium and all around to say, okay, that's cool. Find a, find a new spot for your championship game. Let's go. Start threatening. <laughs> Start threatening. You like it here? You know he's in. <laughs> Do you think people here have that much power, especially when you're dealing with? I don't. Know. I think those I don't facilities know who the power do. Are. I do yeah. think those facilities do, and I think the Pac-12 wants those facilities so bad that they'll put you in. You still believe that? A hundred percent, I do. Okay. Do you remember the Pac-12 tournament at Staples? Well, I don't think they're going to add a school just on the simple threat that hey, you can't use our buildings. Okay. Let's find out. Look at this. I hope. I mean, I'd love to see them add more schools. I can, can, the, can the state get one thing out of building that stadium? Can the people here get one thing out of it? Ever? And you think the politicians would, would stick up for UNLV? Yes. Yeah. No more Pac-12 title games or championships. More money for the local school. Draw even better students. Add to things academically. Wouldn't that be a nice thing to pitch for, for, the, for our local politicians, politicians on the state level? 
I know a bunch of morons that have graduated from San Diego State, so don't give me the academics thing. You do? I do. Would you like to name some? Family members. Is that right? Sure. I didn't know. Oh, look at this. Sure. Now, normally this would be the time that I fan the flames, but I will not do that. Because I think you're, you're speaking out of anger right now. You're very emotional. We're going huh? to go to break. You calm down. We don't want family members being outed as idiots <laughs> who went to San Diego State. You're walking a fine line here. For once, I will save you. Well, maybe we'll find out more tomorrow. I think we're going to find out about this TV deal. And from there, it gets rocking and rolling. And we'll see what kind of money the Pac-12 is bringing in. Is it anywhere close to what the Big 12 is? And at that point, I, I don't know. I, I know more on that graduated from Cal, by the way. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Quickly up the floor, Roberts in traffic, lost the handle on the basketball. Goy will push it up the floor. Ahead to Davis for the two-hand flush. Oh, the Owls are flying now. Ten-point advantage. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio. Kevin Kugler, Westwood One, as uh, FAU, Adam Hill's FAU. Adam Hill, a big fan of uh, Boca from Florida, Boca-type guy. FAU is in. As a nine seed, the Sweet 16 is all set. We've got the West region here. So we got UCLA, Gonzaga, Arkansas, and UConn going down on Thursday. And we'll see who meets for the birth to the Final Four on Saturday. All the games over at the Fortress at T-Mobile. I wanted to talk about some of the, the big coaching hires today. Also, if we have Rick Patino Envy again in Vegas. But there's a really interesting story that's developing today at Alabama where Nate Oates has a basketball team that's really good, but also embroiled in heavy controversy going back to a murder about three weeks ago. And Brandon Miller is the kid who brought the gun to the scene, and he's still playing. So there's an optics issue. There's also a justice system, right? Do you wait for things to play out while this is all going on? Did Nick Saban, like, make a comment about how the basketball program has handled this? Well, a lot of people are trying to claim it's coincidence. I do not think it's coincidence. Uh, because, obviously, as, as you said, when the Brandon Miller situation happened and Nate Oates had the – very, very unfortunate comment, wrong place, wrong time, which was bizarre. Uh, Tony Mitchell has been suspended. He was pulled over yesterday, I believe, with uh, marijuana in the car, was arrested for that, and he's been suspended from the team. Freshman, star defensive back for Alabama, been suspended. And Nick Saban today, in talking about the suspension, said, Everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing as being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, it is a very common phrase, but you're connecting this to Oates saying the same thing? Yes. I mean, if anyone was going to do it, you know, you're talking about number one or two basketball program in the country right now. But if anyone had the stones to just throw on the table, it's Nick Saban. Only because the atten the attention that that quote has gotten. Yeah. The 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 heat, the vitriol that has been steered in their direction for that comment, you know Saban has heard it. You know he's heard the references. 
I can't imagine he would say that in regards to this. Sorry. Is he just old? No, he's he's pretty sharp. I think he's sharp. Someone tweeted on this thread, quote, I never heard of Tony Mitchell. I was over there drawing up plays. <laughs> Which was the other that was the one I got really worked up about. <laughs> yes. Is that Nate Oates, because then there was the thing with the kid Brandon Miller where he came out for the uh, opening announcements and it seemed like as he entered the court, a uh, teammate kind of frisked him. Yeah. And people are like, is he are, – are these guys mocking on all that's gone on? And Oates said, I don't really watch the opening intros. I'm drawing up plays, which I, I'm like, you're not drawing up plays during the opening intros. Well, Saban's drawn up plays while – This last second. Saban's drawing up plays while his kids get arrested oh, for stop. marijuana possession. Um, I like Nate Oates. And when we talked to him, like, how long ago was it now? like seven years ago at the Final Four, he is – how can I put this? He was a teacher. Yeah. What high school? Uh, Romulus. He was a math teacher? Yeah. But he was very much a Midwest guy. Sure. Is that – don't be insulted, people. Well, that's me. That's me. I'm a I Midwest, don't, Midwest. You know what I'm saying? I mean, kind of. Like, I don't want to say he's not aw, a deep – shucks. I don't want to say anymore. Like he's relatable because I'm, you know, I'm not that sharp. Is that a good way to put it? He's relatable. You don't feel like he's talking over your head. That's a good one. He's not an intellectual. I didn't say that. I felt like that's where you were. So going. I just said he's relatable. He could go to San Diego State or Cal. That was kind of shocking that you were. Uh, I hope no family members are listening. Oh, I, I've been. I've gotten I in can't trouble. Figure out how to turn on the radio. I've gotten. Whoa. I've gotten in trouble in the past. You have for making comments about actually about your Michigan family. Sure, so. different family. So there you go, Nick Saban maybe taking shots at Nate Oates and how they handled and are handling Brandon Miller. I, I will say I, I just saw the CBS story get posted on this that basically insinuates in the headline that's absolutely what he was saying. If you were St. John's, would you have taken? Rick Pitino and giving him a six-year deal over bringing Bobby Hurley back to the area because that's what's happening. It looks like Pitino is the guy for St. John's moving on from Iona, his years of penance for which, you know, when you look back on it, he just got caught. Now, the stuff he said was absurd. You know, the excuses and the fact that you had, you know, doink gate at the Italian restaurant in your history, that didn't help. Shouldn't they have just gone back and hired whoever the second choice was when they hired Anderson? Wait, what's going on here? That was James Jones, somebody else. Oh, was it? Yeah. What's going on with Anderson? Well, St. John said they fired him for cause. What does that mean? Well, if you if you cause? get fired for cause, it, it's in the contracts that essentially you know you don't have to pay the buyout and get rid of them when they do something. You know, it's usually for something terrible. Right. You know, if you, I don't know, cover up a kid, you know, a murder that happens involving one of your players when you're on a road trip, something like that, uh, then you get fired for a cause. Now, in this case, St. John's sounds like they're trying to just get out of paying uh, a lot of money to Mike Anderson uh, when they fired him because he's been struggling. Um, and they they said that he was fired for a cause, yeah. which – I don't know because their their word salad of a statement of what he did sounds like he just didn't win games. 
he was fired for, quote, a failure to create and support an environment that strongly encourages student-athletes who are in the men's basketball program to meet all university academic requirements, which, okay, uh, and failure to perform job duties and responsibilities in a manner that reflected positively on St. John's University. I mean, I think it's just win games. Did they have an attorney look at this or try to write it? Well, I mean, they, they could they could fall back on the didn't encourage student-athletes who are in the program to meet all university academic requirements. Would that have ever been brought up if they were winning? No, of course not. Of course and not. Isn't that probably 20% of college basketball? Yeah, more. I was being nice. Yeah. So it, it sounds like, I mean, I would, you know, obviously we can uh, – we can hear uh, Justin Watkins' take on this better later in the week, but that sounds to me like they're just trying to find a way to write this so that they can say, hey, look, this is not about wins and losses. This is about all these other things. Like, no. And what do you think about St. John's going with 70-year-old Rick Patino on a six-year deal? They want to win. You win. So good guys. Over Hurley? And he wins too. But I, I think Patino is, is a, quick, a quick fix to – to find the success they want. Anderson didn't go to the tournament in four years. Uh, Patino is also going to sell tickets, sell tickets, and I'm sure they want to sell yeah. tickets. I'm sure their revenue must be down big time. And I was going to say, from their heyday, but frankly their heyday, should, unless you want to count the Mike Jarvis era. Should, shouldn't Karnaseka go – or shouldn't, shouldn't uh, Patino go Karnaseka sweater? Yeah, why not? I would love that. Patino's rocking sweaters his, every game? His lucky 80 sweaters? That would be awesome. On the way back, Georgetown did not – Make a strong run in the end at Rick Pitino. I think the hire they made was dynamite, though. Join Cofield and Company live every Thursday at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. Weekly giveaways and awesome game day food and drink specials. Thursdays, 3 to 6 p.m. at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. I mean, just beautiful stuff. The commercial of the NCAA tournament, Arm of the Slicer, and... I'm all over that one. First of all, I love jingles on commercials. Adam does not watch commercials. I've got a long history of watching commercials. And I have a slicer. I don't have one of those slicers. The subjoints have? Those are awesome. I just always assume that's one you have. No. You know how expensive those are? Thousands and thousands of dollars. I, feel like you I don't cut that much meat that I need a high-grade deli slicer. I feel like that's an investment you would make. No. We actually we, we just made a, an investment in a garage fridge. Ours blue, not it ran poorly. It just blew. They're freon all over the place. So is that dangerous? Um, it didn't smell good. Freaking, I don't know. Didn't smell good. So first world problems. I'm very rich. You don't so like we taste it to went, see. Went and bought a refrigerator. So we're back. The drink fridge is back. Is freon poisonous? Oh, you can look it up. That's what I'm doing. I don't think so because uh, we have. I don't know. 50 cats in our neighborhood live in our garage, and they all survive. So if they can make it, we can make it. It's all cleaned up. What do you think? I just leave it there? Got a scrub brush. This is, this is very dangerous. I'm very much into manual labor. Sniffing Freon is extremely dangerous and can lead to long-term brain damage or sudden death. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's overtime. Yeah. Severe lung damage may occur. Survival past 72 hours usually means the person will have a complete recovery. So if you can get through 72 hours. Yeah, we're fine. good. We made it. No worries. It was only a little bit. Smelled a little bit. Cleaned it up. Okay. You think I'm just going to leave it in there? Maybe. Yeah. So that was a big move the last couple of weeks. Big move. Big move. Georgetown made a big move. 
Georgetown buy a garage fridge? Should, should everyone at Georgetown, every grad of Georgetown, and every family that sends their kids to Georgetown for the most part can afford a nice fridge. The backup fridge. It's probably more expensive than the, any of the fridges we have, right? The backup fridge. For thousands of dollars. Uh, Ed Cooley, in a move, I didn't see anyone check on this. I saw a, a Big East writer saying they couldn't remember this happening, but where a Big East basketball coach went from one school to another in the conference. But uh, apparently the thought is Ed Cooley has worked miracles in Providence and Georgetown can get back to where it used to be. I would I would have been down on almost any hire and say that Georgetown is dreaming, but I actually think this guy's a really good coach. So do I. And he's won a problem. He's made the tournament seven out of nine years, which obviously is the goal. You know, at least get in the running and win your 20 games every year. So he'll do a good job. Can you and get the same kids into Georgetown that you got into Providence? Uh, that might be a challenge. And the other thing is, you know, the glory days of Georgetown. It's funny when you read, you know, how good Georgetown's been over the years. Like, oh, I won a national title in 84. Man, 40 years ago. It's been a while. Yeah. So he'll do fine there. He'll yeah. make the tournament. A ton of talent in the area, too. Win national championships. And, yeah, it's a great, it's a great recruiting area. Uh, but like you said, you got a little more challenge in terms of academics. And the other thing is there is a big reason that Georgetown won in the 80s, and that was? Cheating. John Thompson was awesome. That was? You can say it again. They were cheating. Yeah. Everyone in the Big East was. Sure. I mean, cheating is a strong word. You were doing what you needed to do to get players. Sure. To soften it a bit. There's, there really is cheating. no, like, and it's funny. When Behai made a statement, Jim Behai made a statement, you know, a couple weeks, whatever it was, a month ago, talking about how Miami and Wake Forest had bought the roster. And I was like, Jim, you, I'm not going to say he invented it, but, like, all of you guys were in this like the ultimate cesspool in the Northeast, and they actually they were getting guys from California. Talk about a talk about a place that you would not bring in your recruits during the winter. We learned it from watching you, right? Jim Beheim's recruiting California players. Oh yeah, they all wanted to go to Upstate New York, but between between St. John's and Syracuse and Georgetown and probably a little bit of Villanova, then eventually UConn, and I think I'm missing someone else. Did I mention St. John's? How do you think you got players in that era? You think Chris Mullen stayed home just because he loved New York? You think Patrick Ewing turned down freaking every single school in the country just because John Thompson was there? Likely not. So that was the way he did it. And now you can do it above board. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, the only thing that was concerning to me that is that Cooley was so sloppy. That he hadn't told his team or announced that he was taking the job, and then he put his house on the market this morning. Did he really? Yeah. How did someone notice that one? It was they threw the Zillow up like right away. It's just a as, random as thing. As you, you just do it to see if. Why, why do you have to do it in such a hurry? Well, he, he, the I will say the fo the photos were very professional in terms of like, you know, everything was everything looked cleared out. Like there's only a couple little bit of furniture left in there. What? Yeah, it was. I was Stop. Like, okay. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. The, the backyard, I mean, putting the it on the market is one thing. Like, how, hey, we're just about ready to stage it. Like, wait. It wasn't. I'm not you saying you moved was, all your stuff I'm, out. No, I'm not saying it was you empty. Another like, house? No, I'm not saying it was empty. It was just like the, you saw like one big room and there was just you know like one couch and one table in there. Like, did they move everything out of here already? <laughs> now the closets did have a lot of things in them. Okay, everything so I was think, crammed in the closets. They're like, don't open the closet. No, no, very well laid out shoe oh, collection. Boy. Yeah, it was good. Well, you got to stage, right? Yeah, you got to clean your house. Look good. That is one of the reasons I can never sell my house. 1.9 mil? I will never have it ready for any kind of listing. Nice nice house. How much? 1.9? 1.9. 
Well, I'm sure Rhode Island house prices are not it's not cheap. It's the Northeast. No. no. Nice place. A lot of open space. The double a double stairway? It's pretty cool. I got it. You really, are you going to buy this? <laughs> no. Are you going to move to Providence? I was looking at this You morning. sound like you're really interested in it. Well, people, people were posting so often this morning. I said, I got to look at this house. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Nice backyard. Although the, the pool cover was on. I was like, yeah, it doesn't really look appealing. Has it been warm in the Northeast at all? Take no, I think you days. take the cover off to make the, make the yard look better. You're very judgmental. Well, on, on, on on I spent a lot of time looking at photos of this house this morning. Okay. A cool, a real cool sports room with a lot of uh, jerseys and yeah. memorabilia and there, stuff man. on that. I got it. We got to go to break. I got to go look at Ed Cooley's house. This is great. On the way back, I want to talk about Jimmy G and that uh, opening press conference and Adam's impressions on the new leader of the Raiders. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Jimmy G, presser Friday, finally had it. What happened Thursday? Just some complications? Yeah, sounds like they were a little, you know, they had agreed to terms of a contract, and they basically said, hey, there'll be a press conference with all the new free agents, which would theoretically include Garoppolo. They had the other five guys come out and speak, and then we just kind of waited for Garoppolo, and at some point they decided the deal was not going to get done on that day. So they were just crossing some T's and dotting some I's, and uh, everybody came back Friday. So, you know, instead of ruining one day of watching tournament games, they ruined two. That's fine. Hmm. You're very cynical, so I don't see you as a guy who's going to go out there and say someone won a press conference, but just some impressions in the few words that Garoppolo said. Um, I think – you know, for the, if you followed if you followed his career, you kind of you, right. know, you know what to expect. He knows what to say. He's a leader yeah. and had his family there. And um, how did everyone yeah. look? Pretty good. What, what do you mean, the media? No. Garoppolo and his family. They look like Garoppolo. I mean, have you never seen him before? No, I have. Okay. Just, yeah, look like look like Garoppolo. Yeah. His nana was not there. Wow, I referenced a Subway commercial and nothing? You're right. I didn't like that commercial. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just I, – I, it's my one commercial. You referenced the commercial, I know. Well, one I, commercial knowledge. I know. I, it, it went right over my head. I And I then I remembered I, I didn't like that commercial. Why? I don't know. Just Real Italian it food. It didn't connect. Real Italian food at Subway. Yeah, I don't know. Everything's fresh at all these places. Everything's fresh. It's all fresh. I just like that I had a commercial knowledge over you. You did, in that case. <laughs> I blanked on that one. I totally blanked on that one. Maybe because we were making GIFs and memes of Nana standing on stage and saying, this is how long we've been waiting for Garoppolo. He's looking like his Nana now. Oh, wow. You guys are funny. We were. Really creative. You, you killed time with some great tweets. It was good stuff on Thursday. Yeah, well. Okay. Everybody else is uh, college basketball. Lindsey Brown from LV Sports Network. You hear on a bunch of different shows here. Said uh, things I learned about Jimmy G, opening presser. He wants to earn his place, leadership, uh, leadership role. He digs the all-black look. He made that reference. So that's what he wears a lot, or he just likes other people who wear it? No, he wore all black, and they said somebody asked him what he likes about being a Raider, and he said, get to wear all black. Looks cool. Okay. 
He wants to bring an energy. I mean, okay. Is that what everybody says? Maybe just positive and he not also, worrying about what's on social media. His apparently we, which we didn't know, and I guess you know because you know, his nana was not his real grandmother. Oh, the okay. one in the commercial was different. Uh, he said his grandparents actually lived in Vegas for about ten years. Oh, really? So he has some connection. And he was asked, "What did they tell you about living in Vegas?" And he said, "Always bet." It was essentially always bet red. And then he goes, "I, I, I guess I should say black now." So he kind of caught himself. Oh, he's funny. It's hilarious. Uh, Lindsay said he likes history. Does he? I don't know. Well, what he, I believe what he said was he wants to get to work on learning the history of the Raiders because he doesn't really know much about it. Okay. And that he's a big hockey fan. Can't wait to get to a Vegas Golden Knights. He did game. say that. Okay. And I wanted They're to fun. ask him if he was a Blackhawks or Knights fan. I think he's a Blackhawks fan. So, fortunately, I guess for him, he don't, you don't have to choose now. The Blackhawks are terrible. He'll probably be cranking that rally siren thing at some point soon. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Left arm. Don't do the right arm when you're a quarterback. It's true. Be careful. Did you watch or cover USC at all this weekend? I'm aware that it was on. Okay. Well, what's going on during here? During college basketball. We have a new development? No, it's during college hoops. The paper didn't ask you to run at the event. I also, I also uh, talked to Chris Bryant and George Brett on Saturday for stories. And then oh, look covered, at you, name dropping. Covered, covered the Vipers game. Okay. So Vipers, George Brett, and Chris Bryant, bigger than a USC event. I'm sure and I'm sure the people at UFC will be real happy to hear that about their local paper. Sure. On the undercard, Sam Patterson was fighting. And got knocked out. Here's the call with Anakin Company. Still undefeated. Spoils the game. Wow. What a right Sam hand. Patterson. Called the cakes. It's certainly that oh, DC. You see, stunned. John. Patterson is still rock. He still oh, thinks he's fighting. He doesn't know that he's lost. He's refusing to accept it. And he's very confused. Oh, my goodness. Did you see this clip? I've never seen this before. I thought you watched slap fighting. We've seen <laughs> fighters... On their backs, on the ground, a fight gets stopped, and we see them, like, recover for a second and then, like, shoot up and grab a leg of an sure. official. Sure. This kid was already standing up. They're trying to walk him back to his stool, and he grabs, he grabs the official behind his neck. I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. He, he got knocked out, got up, and probably 15, 20, 30 seconds later was still thinking, like, hey, I got to grapple and get my bearings. And they're all like, stop. Well, somebody who's gone unconscious, Steve, I can tell you that that's – you just don't know what exactly happened when it, when it happened. Okay. That's right. Let's not mention where that happened or how it happened. No. We've escaped a lawsuit to this why, point. Why would we? Please don't. I think the statute of limitations is running. I don't know, man. I don't know. Do you have any complications? Someone's going to be in trouble here. Who was running the show that day? Well, Probably. you were until you got freaking That's a good point. power slammed, <laughs> bulldogged into the ground. Maybe. Who was the manager at that time? That per that head needs to roll. I think that's. Uh, I think they're gone. Yeah, I think that was J.H. Is that right? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know why. Why are you? Why are you not saying John Hansen? <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to implicate him in this he was potential the, lawsuit. He was the old program director. 
like 2004 to around seven, probably a little longer than 2004. But um, he went on to do like a TV morning show in his hometown. And then he landed in Kansas City as a program director. And I heard recently he just said, screw it with radio. Until you got smart. Yeah, which, by the way, our, our program director here before Q, w- like, loved Ari. Um, he got out of the business completely as well. But I, I heard John Hansen was selling RVs, which I'm not saying it's a mock. I'm like, hey. Going to buy one? I, I don't know. I, I don't want to have more debt. I don't think I could buy one outright, like a real nice one. Well, you've already got a fridge you can put in there. You can just my, my life is built on not having debt. Would you rather buy... I need, when I need to go and just escape, I'm not going to owe anyone anything. Would you rather buy an RV or Ed Cooley's house? An RV. Okay. I don't want to live in Providence. Why would you? I would love. I love. Oh, the, the RV life looks great, except for the gas prices. But it looks great. So you just park at one place. You don't need to drive anywhere. No, that's the whole point. Don't you want to see America? No, you just want to live in a park. I, those those RV parks look fun. I don't know about that. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Did you see the pizza that I just showed you? Uh, Naked City Chris sent me a video of, it's called a Trenton-style mustard pie. Yes, 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 yes. I would be all over this. It looks like a traditional pizza crust, spicy mustard. I think that's mozzarella, as you people would say. Mozzarella? Something like that. Um but it might be a different kind of cheese. And then I, I thought dollops of, uh, we'll call it gravy or uh, marinara or tomato sauce. Out. I would be 100% in on this. I don't get the tomato sauce part, but I think it would be tasty. The finished pie looked delicious. Mustard and tomato. I mean, I guess it's somewhat. I'm a mu- you know, I'm a mustard junkie. I got, I got ripped on yesterday by the SO. We're just having a casual conversation. She, gets, she starts laying into me for having too much mustard in the fridge. There's more than one? Oh, there's like five. Oh, that's too much. Yeah. You got two fridges, though. You're can I tell you, I did something completely ridiculous. I know I can split them up into the back of the fridge. I got completely ridiculous yesterday uh, downtown over a valet uh, price okay. where I valeted the car, right? And uh, you'll know where I'm talking about. I won't give it away. But their valet was 25 But if you go eat somewhere, you can get validation, and then it's covered. So I was like, oh, we'll just go eat. So we ate at the kind of breakfast place at the joint, and then they're like, no, it doesn't count here. I'm like, it's in the building. So that I think that was probably like 70 bucks. And then we hung out for a while, and then we went to another place down there that would validate and literally just got food to just get food. And that was probably 80 bucks. So I spent between us, because I think she might have bought some of it, um, between us, it was like $150 to avoid a $25 valet. Sounds like a sound financial. That's my life, yes. Prudent decisions when it comes to emotional, financial. At least you crushed Determination. a bunch of food. I did. I was, it was pretty good food, too. I did get to crush a bunch of food. Go in the bag one more time. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, one of the tweets of the weekend came from a uh, Kristen De Silva. Kristen has been in the media for a while, sure. well. and I just thought this was great. You do know her well. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. She said, you know what would be really cool? If everyone driving in Las Vegas cared if they lived or died. 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> Just gonna leave that out there. People driving a little bit dangerously. I I don't see a problem. I think people people just do whatever they want on the road. Our driving is fine here. It's the autobahn. All these roads closed down. It's infuriating. Open up the roads. Come on.